Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I feel like I want more crack. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Now this crowd is starting to believe that they'll win. Now the Bulls don't want any fouls here. They just like to play some real good defense. Marbury drives baseline, bounces it to Hammonds, to Uh-oh. Kevin Garnett on top from 20, Garnett. Yes sir, beautifully done, Garnett with a 15-footer, that's all you want. Alright, welcome in, Mackie and Judd with Rami, Score North and the Score North app. And we're actually, we're actually going to start the show by replaying just a short clip here, about a minute long or so. From our buddy Jim Peterson yesterday, we had Jim Peterson on yesterday to talk about Kevin Garnett going to be a Hall of Famer, and uh, little did we know that today, Kevin Garnett would have a one-on-one exclusive Q&A with The Athletic come out, in which he removed all ambiguity about how he feels about the Timberwolves organization and Glenn Taylor, but this is Jim Peterson yesterday. Knowing Kevin, um, probably not until uh, the team is sold. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's just the reality of it. Um, but I think that, that Glenn is such a incredible human being that if anybody could patch it up and, and try to make amends and, and make it happen, it, it would be him, but it's, it's up to Kevin. You know, it's it, Glenn. It's, you know, it's, this is not about Glenn Taylor. This is about Kevin Garnett really it's, you know, Glenn has, has tried to reach out. Glenn has tried to, tried to, you know, uh, you know, build a bridge, um, you know, things happen with ownership situation, you know, when foot passed and, um, you know what I mean? Like these things just have to be decisions have to be sort of like be willing to be swept under the rug a little bit. And so, you know, it's not going to happen in Minnesota until, until KG wants to happen. And that's, that's just the reality. It's too bad because this fan base, you know, really it shouldn't even about be about anything but Kevin Garnett and it should be about the fans. It's, yeah. it's not about the owner of the team. Absolutely. It's about it's about yep. it's about the sanctity of basketball in the state of Minnesota and his relationship with the fan base. That's really what it's about. Yeah. So uh I, I want I want you guys to think about Jim Peterson's comments there and the main phrase being it's up to Kevin at this point. As I read through the athletic Q and A juicy sections here, all right? Rami's in quarantine studio B, by the way. How hey you guys, doing over there, Rami? How you doing? Hi, Rami? I'm good. I'm good. good. I'm getting used to this, actually. I think this should be the new norm. 
Yeah, if this if this all goes back to normal in about two months or so, you're just gonna especially since gonna hang no one else uses this studio. Like when I'm not here, this studio is just vacant and dark. And I like I like having my own studio that nobody else uses at any point in the day. <laughs> vacant and dark, just like the relationship between Glenn Taylor and Kevin Garnett for the last ten years or so. Well played, sir. Yeah. So here's what Kevin Garnett said in the Athletic. The question, the first question was, hey, starting off in Minnesota, you guys went to the Western Conference Finals in 2004. Looking back, how much do you wish that that group had won a championship, especially if Sam Cassell didn't get hurt in the playoffs? And KG said, I don't play should have, could have, would have. I don't play if I would have said something to her, I could have got her. Uh, I don't play if I didn't go out that night, this wouldn't happen. I don't play should have, could have, would have. It would drive me crazy. I would sit here and be in a depressed stage. I play should have, could have, would have all the time. Do you guys? Is that why you're in a, sitting there in a depressed stage? I yes, hope we do. Absolutely. I no, hope we do. I'm just talking about my own personal life, Judd, not even professionally. I'm always playing Both should sides. have, would have, could have. Should always play it. All the time. I play it professionally sometimes in terms of like the things we talk about. I'm more on KG's side. I don't like to look back and say, man, if I would have just done this or this. Oh, I would have done so much different. Oh, man. We're going to dive in for the whole 5 o'clock hour into what Rami would have done Rami differently done all along the way. Yeah. Hope his girlfriend's not tuned we'll in. Take, we'll take your calls. What would, would you have done differently? 651-646-8255. have gone out on that first date. Dang it. But then KG says, if I could actually go back and change anything, I would have left Minnesota a little earlier, knowing that the management wasn't as committed as I was, or wasn't committed at all. I probably would have went to Boston or changed the situation earlier. I would have been a little younger. That means less wear and tear on the body. Teaming up with Paul Pierce. I should have done that earlier. Who knows? I'm probably sitting there with another ring or two. But yeah, my days in Minnesota were great days, bro. It was just, it was a part of, I'm sorry. It was a huge part of my progression. Flip Saunders and Kevin McHale were huge parts of my progression as a player. I had to put the work in and put it all together. But having those influences around me, having Kevin McHale... As a great teacher all those years and pushing me, giving me the lay of the land, and me having a crazy-ass appetite and imagination of what I want to be in the league, I'm very grateful for those days. Those are the days that actually made me the man that I became and took to Boston. Those days in Minnesota were basically like research and development. I'll never forget them. And before we get into the even juicier stuff, that part actually stung the most for me growing up a Timberwolves fan and that everything we saw Kevin Garnett do for 12 years here, right? 1995 until 2007. Mm -hmm. That he considers it research and development, and he's not wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, he literally just spent 12 years tinkering with his own game and figuring out how to be a star and a leader, and then it got wasted here, so he took it to Boston and won a championship immediately. But it wasn't always bad here, too. There, there was a lot of that time initially in which he was doing the right thing, and the team was on the right track. It went off the track, but it's not like he got here and it was dysfunctional and he said, bleep it. He got here. Mikhail helped him a ton. So there was a, a, there was a time in KG's career upon arrival, probably through the early 2000s here for sure, where it was trending the exact right way. I mean, and, I would, I, and then it got dysfunctional and completely blown up. I would argue that in the twelve years he spent with the Timberwolves, they had it right in four of those twelve years, and that's it. They had it right in the first couple of years with Stephon Marbury, where they were building something, and then they had it right when they had Sam Cassell and Latrell Sprewell here for two years. The second year, by the way, was a train wreck because Sprewell had a contract thing, and Sam Cassell was ninety years old by that point. The other eight years, if you don't have a sidekick next to one of the greatest players of all time, then like. I, I can't I can't believe he stuck it out for twelve years too. 
But I just took that that line about research and development. It it stings because it's true. That dude spent 12 amazing years putting up MVP numbers and doing things we didn't see seven-footers doing in that time period. And it was all just groundwork for Boston to get the payoff in 2007-2008. He did come here straight out of high school. I mean, yeah. he, he calls it research and development. That sounds like college to me, where you start learning how to be an adult and what it takes to be successful in the real world. That's, he basically came here to go to college, and it was 12 years most of us who go to college for 12 years are doctors. Some of us are Rami. But I'm just saying, <laughs> most people who leave high school, they go on to that next stage of their life. And whether it's college or something else, that's kind of where you start learning to be an adult and be off on your own. And like I said, what it takes to make it in the real world. And, and he was ready to be off in the real world of like if the, if, if the real world in this case, in this metaphor, is win championships, he was ready for that five or six years before Boston won a championship with him. I mean, he was ready for that as a Timberwolf, and where I side with Kevin Garnett is they just weren't able to get out of their own way from a front office perspective and put pieces around and him. And then it got worse and worse. And that leads to this quote. The question was, the Celtics announced in February that they will retire your number 5 jersey during the 2020 season. Do we have a blowtorch sound effect that we could just play in the background while you're reading this? We have explosive sound effects. <laughs> Uh, He said, uh, the question continues, but your jersey still isn't hanging in the rafters in Minnesota. How soon will we see that take place, and where do you stand on it? Quote from Kevin Garnett. (laughs) Glenn knows where I'm at. I'm not entertaining it. First of all, it's not genuine. Two, he's getting pressure from a lot of fans and, I guess, the community there. Glenn and I had an understanding before Flip died. When he says the community, he means score north. He's listening. That's true. Yeah. He's a lawyer. He probably has the free scorn of that. You know he does. When Flip died, that understanding went with Flip. For that, I won't forgive Glenn. I won't forgive him for that. I thought he was a straight-up person, straight-up businessman, and when Flip died, everything went with him. There's no reason to complain. Just continue to move on. My years in Minnesota and in that community, I do cherish. At this point, I don't want any dealings with Glenn Taylor or Taylor Corporation <laughs> or anything that has to do with him. I love my Timberwolves. I'll always love my guys. I'll always love the people who bleep with me there. I'll always have a special place for the city of Minneapolis and the state of Minnesota in my heart. But I don't do business with snakes. I don't do business with snake MFers. I try not to do business with openly snakes or people who are snake-like. End quote. And end of any ambiguity any of us ever so, felt about how KG feels about the Timberwolves and Glenn Taylor. That quote does clear up to me because I think everything that Kevin Garnett uh, told Shams in that piece in The Athletic is very deliberate. That does clear up what we've always asked and said, which was how much did Glenn know about what Flip promised KG? Mm-hmm. That quote right there says he was in on That it. was my takeaway too, Judge. He knew completely... Yep. He screwed me. And keep in mind, too, where KG's mad is, KG holds a grudge, and he felt, and in this one, guys, I think he's right. When KG leaves the first time for Boston, and I think it was halfway through the 2008 season or so, that Glenn basically takes that sideways shot about KG mailing it in that last year here. They said KG was tanking it at the end of the And remember, that that quote, which was stupid, but that simple quote was the one that Flip had to do so much work to get um, KG out of Brooklyn to come back here for. 
But the quote to Shams definitely 100% says, Glenn knew what Flip promised me. So that takes it to a different place. Because now the whole, well, Flip made all these promises and, and Glenn didn't know and you can't blame Glenn, that's all all removed, right? Yep. And now it's, oh, so what did Glenn know? Now, what we still don't know is what those three had decided was going to be Kevin's future with the Wolves franchise. And in Kevin's mind, what got pulled out from under him the day Flip passed away. And he doesn't say what the agreement is there. But whatever the agreement was, it was it was between three parties. It was KG, Flip Saunders, and the owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves, Glenn Taylor. Those are and and for me personally, I don't know that I could just I could just look past a guy pulling out of a deal or an agreement because one of the three parties involved in the negotiation passed away tragically at a very early age from cancer. Like that's I don't know that I can get over that. It it's bad enough that I just lost a mentor of mine and somebody who means a lot in my life if I'm Kevin Garnett and Flip Saunders passes at the age that he did in the way that he did. Now you're telling me that the agreement that we had in place between the three of us, you're backing out of it because he died? I don't know that I can necessarily get past that, dude. Like I can and I said this earlier on Score North Live, weekdays noon at two. You can listen to it anytime you want on the totally free Score North app. It's me and a to- rotating cast of Score North personalities. I could I could forgive in the biblical sense, in the sense that I'm not going to walk around with that anger. I'm not going to walk around seething and angry and mad at Glenn Taylor. But I don't know that I would forgive to the point where I'm coming back to get my jersey retired or I'm accepting some kind of role or entering into some kind of new deal or relationship with Glenn Taylor. I don't I don't want anything to do with that guy if that's indeed what happened and I'm Kevin Garnett. So I forgive, but I I'm not I'm not coming back, man. I'm with them. See, let, let's let's peel back one layer here that I think is it's this elephant in the room layer and that Owners cannot, within the rules of, of the NBA's collective bargaining agreement, owners are not allowed to talk about ownership stake with players while players are still active. And so what, what Kevin Garnett is insinuating is, hey, these conversations weren't just between me and Flip. Glenn was in on these conversations. And the unspoken part is, while I was still a player there, because like the conversations would have started, KG was here for two years at the end of his career, and so presumably the discussions would have started before Flip Saunders got sick, right? Which takes us back to Joe Smith. And it wouldn't be the first time that there have been under-the-table discussions Again, conversations for the conversations in which Glenn right? can't participate that he participates in. So, like, where, yes, Gl- like where Glenn can't even really clarify that. Like, Glenn is in a, in a no-win situation in this regard, and that if he clarifies it on the side of, yeah, you know what? We did have an agreement in place, and I just decided that I wanted Tom Thibodeau to run the organization. Then he is effectively admitting that he held an illegal conversation with Kevin Garnett. Illegal, not illegal within the parameters of NBA basketball, right? Mm -hmm. But if he comes out and says, um, yeah, we actually never had those conversations. And uh, I don't know. We just never flat out. We just flat out never, never had that discussion. Um, Then I think Glenn's in a spot where, well, well, why wouldn't like why wouldn't you offer that up to Kevin? Like, wouldn't it be logical to get Kevin Garnett into the into the fold? Right. Um, or he's or Kevin Garnett is exaggerating how much Glenn Taylor knew during this period. But I think what bothers me the most about this, I blame Glenn Taylor for eighty to ninety percent of this. All right. So just just to make my stance clear, 
I think the fact that Glenn is objectively one of the worst owners in professional sports the last 25 years. I do think he got it right with Gerson Rosas. We'll see what they can do the next five years. Can you say professional sports or just the NBA? Because the Lynx, it's a pretty good basketball team. The Lynx are a great basketball team. That's true. Um, so for sure in the NBA. So his his ownership of the Timberwolves compared to the ownership of all of the other professional sporting leagues uh, the last 25 years have been mostly a disaster for Glenn Taylor. So if I'm Kevin Garnett, and I know that the prime of my career was mostly wasted by bumbling front office things and you know Glenn Taylor under the table payment to Joe Smith and all this stuff and them not putting a sidekick with him and and then Glenn kicking me out the door with his comment about me tanking it, like I would definitely not be happy with that. And I think I think Glenn has a lot of things to answer for the last 25 years. That said. How long is long enough when it comes to grudge holding? If you're Kevin Garnett at this point, and really, like, your relationship is with the fans, your relationship is with the city of Minneapolis, and he even said so in the athletic Q&A, that he's got a spot in his heart for the fans, for the, the state, the city. Does Glenn Taylor even matter at this point? Like, why does why can't you still show up to Timberwolves games? Why can't you still help out Carl Anthony Towns? I get that you're mad. I would be mad too. I'm not the grudge holder that Kevin Garnett is, I guess. And that's like, it's 80% Glenn for me, but the 20% KG also bothers but me. But let's just all grow up. We're talking about retiring his jersey. He's the greatest player in franchise history. He doesn't need to come back. He doesn't need to come see Cat. You need to have all. It's so simple. You tell, you call KG up and say, we're going to retire your jersey. Here's the date. Guess who won't be at the game? Glenn Taylor. For, but for me, it's more than that. Well, a player right, of that statue. But I just want to get through to his jersey being retired. It's so that's, simple. That's not enough, though. Like that, retiring his he okay. is he is the greatest player in franchise history, and there is no second. But it's place. enough for now. I'm getting you to a place where it's enough for now. Can you imagine, like, if Magic Johnson just like was estranged from the Lakers for for 15 years? It's ridiculous. Like he should be as ingrained in the Wolves organization. And, and again, like I'm not putting all this on Glenn. A lot of it's on KG. But he should be as ingrained in the Wolves organization yes. as any athlete in any and, sport right now. And ultimately, once Glenn no longer owns the Wolves franchise, he can be. Exactly. But what I'm saying is just for now, let's all grow up. People are dying every day. Kobe Bryant, as I've said before, got in a helicopter in January. Let he's us not y- forget pettiness, okay? Pettiness is he's, still an important trait. Right, but Kobe Bryant's a young guy, right? He's 40. He's with this 13-year-old kid. There's nine people in a helicopter. I know most of us don't do this, but he's Kobe, and he can. And he dies, all right? People right now are dying. We're no longer playing sports because largely people are dying every day. I just want to get his jersey retired. Both of you, grow up. Figure it out. But if, if, I'm, if I'm KG... And this is the cool thing about doing a two-hour show, having two hours off, and then having a two-hour show. You get to think about some of the things you said or some of the questions that were thrown at you. Mm -hmm. And earlier today, I basically said what I said to you guys on Score North Live, that I would forgive it. I would move on from from a from an emotional standpoint. I'm not. It's not good for your mental health or your physical health to walk around holding on to anger and holding on to grudges. But I'm not going to enter into any agreement or any arrangement with Glenn Taylor. And Collar said to me. Well, yeah, but he could come and get his jersey retired. That's more about the fans than it is about Glenn Taylor. Mm-hmm. And I said, fair point. That's a fair point. I would think about coming and getting my jersey retired if I'm Glenn Taylor or if I'm Kevin Garnett. But I was at home thinking about that, 
Eating a delicious sandwich, by the way. Oh my god, guys! I knocked lunch out the out the park. You today. bring some in? No, nah, that's all right. I brought it. People didn't want to eat it. Two out of three Mackie and Judd with Rami members don't want my food, so I'm not bringing food in anymore. Um, don't blame me. Don't blame me. <laughs> I'll eat anything. Look at me right now. But if I'm Kevin Garnett, and I and I'm thinking about okay, what if I go back and return and and let them retire my jersey? Even if he's not there, that's a notch in Glenn Taylor's belt. That's Glenn Taylor going, look at what I did. I I brought Kevin Garnett back and retired his number. How magnanimous of me. Look at what I did for Timberwolves fans. And I'm sorry, but if I'm Kevin Garnett, while, yes, I'm forgiving and I'm moving on and I'm trying to be a good Christian about the whole thing, I'm not giving him any victories, man. I'm not doing anything that could possibly be in favor of Glenn Taylor. Not if what he says went down, the way it went down, indeed went down that way. I'm not doing that. I'm not giving him I'm not giving him that. And if if Wolves fans are the victims of that until Glenn Taylor sells the team, then they're just they're just caught in the crossfire, man. And I'm so sorry, but I'm not giving him that win. So you you think in the current climate that we are in today, with Kobe Bryant dead in January, with people dying left and right, with us realizing it's being hammered home on a daily Judd, basis, that might... how precious life is, you're telling me that a Jersey retirement is still something that you're going to be so petty about that you won't come back to a town that loves you because of one person. Judd, that, that, what you just laid out, that might make me go back and and mend relationships with people who I don't want to leave this earth having bad feelings with. I got a, I got a feeling Kevin Garnett could leave this earth and not really worry about having bad feelings with Glenn Taylor. I think he's okay being where he's at with Glenn Taylor and feels no need to bury that hatchet. And honestly, again, if what he said went down the way that he says it went down, I kind of don't blame him. I kind of don't blame. I don't need to be good with everybody, man. You know what I mean? I don't have to be in the good graces of everyone. That's not. That's never been my mo. That's never been my personality. But you're, but you're not loved by a community. Like that's, I said, they're, they're the caught in the crossfire. There. They're collateral damage. I know, but, but I that's can't my give point. Glenn Taylor grow, the win. Grow up. Just grow up for a second. That's my point. So, but are you saying grow up specifically to Kevin Garnett? No, I'm saying both sides. Do I, whatever you need to do to get this done for that team. This is not about the guy that owns the team. It's about, as Jim Pete said, he's right. It's about the fans. It's about bringing them back. You know, Phil, ultimately, if Glenn, you know, if Glenn sells the team in five years and the next guy comes in or gal comes in and brings KG back and he starts to work with the team, that's fantastic. But for now, all I'm looking for is how do you get this guy honored and he's beloved by people here the the thing is if you hold a grudge or i do or rami or jonathan does it ultimately doesn't matter because it only affects you and the person who the grudge is against this is about a town that sees this guy and they're exactly right as one of the greatest superstars to play professional sports here but he just told you he has no grudge with the city he has no grudge with wolves fans so prove it grow up come back here and both sides grow you know that's my point is the Wolves should tell Glenn, you're not going that night. Too bad. It's still a win for him, Judd. Even if he's not sitting in the seats clapping with a big grin on his face, it's still a win for him. It's still something Glenn no, he Taylor would, did. No, 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 no. He wouldn't see it that way. No, Glenn loves to be there. Glenn loves to be courtside. Phil has seen that. Glenn loves to be there clapping and sitting right by the bench. No, it would hurt Glenn not to be there. But I would say that's the price of this game. One of the amazing pieces of, I guess I'd use the word dissonance here, is that in the tale of the tape between Glenn Taylor and Kevin Garnett with this rift, 
Glenn Taylor, I think I don't I'm not going to pretend to know either Glenn Taylor or Kevin Garnett on a deeply personal level, but Glenn Taylor I think is widely regarded as just like a nicer guy and a better just I wouldn't say like better human. I don't know if I I don't know enough about him, but like in people's dealings with both of them, people would say, "Oh my god, Glenn Taylor is just like one of the nicest guys. He's just he's just a kind-hearted guy and he means yeah. well and he just kind of can't get out of his own way sometimes with the decisions he makes." And on the KG side, I mean, we had Jim Peterson on yesterday, Tom Hanneman, like anyone who will go back and and talk about Kevin Garnett the last 25 years will and they'll couch what they say, but they will say things like he's just a really complicated guy. Yeah, he's just, you know, you never know sometimes if you're going to get this KG or that KG and yeah, it's just really complicated, which is another way of saying he's kind of an ass, right? So on a personal level, yeah. Glenn Taylor actually wins the tail of the tape from that perspective. But what we really care about is we love the Timberwolves. We've been Timberwolves fans, you know, for however long you've been a fan in this town. And Kevin Garnett delivered more through that prism times 100 than Glenn Taylor has based on our perception. And where I would challenge KG is I, I would say look across town at one guy, Randy Moss. Randy Moss came back here for four games in 2010. It was a disaster. It was a gong show. He was cut. He was dumped. I'll tell you right now, when Moss left Winter Park that day, the relationship between the Vikings and Moss, who is an absolute beyond belief Hall of Fame superstar, was awful. And guess what? It got repaired. It got repaired to a point where where Randy Moss, who is probably as selfish as they come in some ways, knew the importance was... Not him and the team. It was him and the town. So that's where I would challenge uh, uh, KG. And I'm not saying I'm not saying the KG should say forgiven. That's fine. I'm sure that there are some things we don't know about that went really sideways. And but if Randy Moss can do it, if Randy Moss can see fit to say, you know what, I'm coming back, and here's why, then anybody can. Do we need a jersey retirement ceremony for for there to be? closure or, or or good feelings between Kevin Garnett and Wolves fans it's not enough him him telling Shams in the same article where he torches Glenn Taylor hey man I love Minneapolis it holds a special place for me he goes into detail about what Minneapolis did for him and how much it meant for him that's if I'm a fan that's enough for me man I understand why you're not coming back to retire the jersey we're good I'm good with Kevin Garnett. He's good with me if I'm a fan. The jersey retirement ceremony, that would be cool. It's it's like it's it's probably like uh, you know, if you're in a relationship and you know it's a great relationship and neither of you are going anywhere. You're both good, you're both happy. It's just a, you're just putting a ring on it. You know what I mean? You've you've now formalized the relationship. So, if you're hung up on formalizing the thing, okay, but plenty of people are walking around Totally fine, just being in a good, it's, healthy, happy relationship. It's not the to me. It's not about retiring his jersey. I don't. I honestly don't give a rip about the jersey retirement. It's just. It's just a piece of cloth in the rafter. Like it would be nice. Don't get me wrong. I think Kevin Garnett has so much to offer, just from a player knowledge standpoint. I think he has so much to offer a young guy. Like I. I saw this. Or I just found it. I saw this. This nugget in 2017. I'll just read it to you guys. Uh, the Clippers aren't the only NBA team Kevin Garnett has imparted his wisdom upon. As he visited the Milwaukee Bucks around this time a year ago in 2016, he was back on the scene yesterday as intense as ever, putting youngsters Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Thon Maker through the paces. Mm-hmm. Matt Velasquez of the Milwaukee Journey Sentinel has made more 
uh, has more on KG's visit yesterday. Clad in a black sweatshirt with the hood pulled up, Garnett put second-year center Thon Maker through a workout following the team's practice. Uh, before arriving in Milwaukee, Garnett had watched film of the Bucks, and he was prepared to tailor his lessons accordingly, not just to Thon Maker, but also to Giannis and Chris Middleton. Why in God's name is the greatest player in Wolves franchise history working with Giannis and Chris Middleton before he's working on a regular basis with Cat and with Wiggins, and I get that he did when he was still playing for the Timberwolves. Because Tibbs chased him. But it's ridiculous. I can answer that. Because Glenn Taylor is the owner of the Wolves and not the Bucks. Correct. These are a lot of it's rhetorical really questions. Simple. And, and I, it's that's, just, it that, sucks. If that, if I'm Kevin Garnett, I'm certainly not doing. I'm not coming here and working right. with the players not and, right and being part of the organization while Glenn Taylor is still the owner. There's no way. And I know a lot of this on my part sounds petty, but that's very on brand for me. So don't be surprised. <laughs> you but, and Matthew Collar is holding just, your grudges. But but the thing with getting his jersey in the rafters is all I want right now, all I want is for these two to to take baby steps towards being adults. This is literally two grown See, men I think, who are not being, you know what, and I will continue to say this, the saddest thing about this entire thing, the saddest thing, is if you had gone to Flip Saunders the day of the trade in 2015 and said, Flip, I can see the future. And here's how it's going to go down exactly. And the Garnett thing is going to go so wrong, it's going to be really, really sad. Flip wouldn't have done it. Flip wouldn't have done this. Do you remember, Phil, the excitement in that man's voice to have brought Garnett back? to have And so... So, yes, it is 21 being in the rafters the be-all, end-all? No, it's not. But at least it's a damn step in the right direction. And, and I think part of my frustration, too, guys, is this is the greatest player, as Phil said, in franchise history. And we are talking about a franchise that has done so much wrong at almost every step for how long now? Like, if this was the first thing that they did wrong, you'd be like, well, this is really bad. It's sort of surprising. But, but you got this, but you got that, but you mm-hmm. got that, right? This franchise, at every step in the last, what's fair to say, 14, 15 years, because there were some good times, has done everything wrong. How do you do that? How do you do that? If, How do you make the Garnett thing worse? They made it worse. So if if this is really only resolved by Glenn Taylor not being the owner of the Timberwolves, do you guys think Glenn Taylor would soak all this in, read these comments, not through an immediate anger lens, but just through a big picture, 30,000 foot, reflecting on the last 25 years, whoever's to blame for how it got here, this is where it is. Do you guys think Glenn Taylor would ever say, all right, I've been the owner for 25 years. I I would like to defend my honor in some ways, and I would like to think that we had a nice little 8-10 to year run where we went to the playoffs on a regular basis, but all of that aside... The best thing I can do right now for the Timberwolves, for the relationship between Wolves fans and the organization and, Glenn, and and Kevin Garnett, and the future of the Timberwolves is for me to sell my majority stake in the team, let somebody else take over as the majority owner, or sell all of his stake, and Kevin Garnett is welcome back in the, into the organization in some form. Do you guys think Glenn Taylor would ever look I don't, at I don't it know the guy. I don't know the guy well enough, but... Most would people, you? Would mo- you? No, absolutely not. Especially not if I was a, a very successful, very rich person. Because generally, you're not one to um, 
to step aside when you've reached that status in your life. That's just not that's just not something that you do. And and so no, if if I'm I'm hanging on to the wolves as long as I was planning on hanging on to the wolves and Kevin Garnett, nobody else is is changing my plans about that. Absolutely not. Would I do it? I would I personally would give it thought, but we we all I think would hope that we wouldn't have run the debacle that he's also run for the last 15 years. So I would, I can't see myself getting um, in this bad of way with o- the only real superstar that I've ever employed. Mm-hmm. A lot of players, only one yeah. real superstar. I, that would be incredibly selfless, uh, but no, I don't think I could do it. It's tough because I, I cannot defend Glenn Taylor's track record as the owner of the Timberwolves in any way, and I don't want to. It's just, there's nothing, there's really no defending it. Yeah, there were some positives, but... Like that's not the bar. The bar isn't. Yeah, there were some positives over twenty five years. Like he has. And they're a long time ago now too. Yeah, I also can't defend holding grudges to this extent because it's not part of my own DNA. But is that is that holding a grudge or is that I can't trust that person and I'm so I'm not entering into any sort of arrangement with them and. Quite honestly, Judd keeps saying, be an adult. I think it's, and people, this isn't the first time I've made this point. I always get cross-eyed looks when I do make this point. I think it's a very adult thing to just accept that somebody doesn't like you or you don't like somebody and move on with your life and not hang on to that, but just but just accept it. Not everybody is going to like Rami, everybody, and it's a very childish concept to think that they will. Like Rami, I said, Rami, I don't Rami. need to be good with everyone. There's a third party here who's affected that that we can... I'm not, asking, only, I'm not asking KG to come back yet and work for this team. What I'm saying is, this is... Jim Pete's right. This is about the relationship between the fans and Kevin. They're only affected in formality. The relationship between Kevin Garnett and Wolves fans in the city right, of Minneapolis is very you, healthy and nothing but, but good But I'm giving feelings. you the the answer to, or the solution. The retirement of the jersey, which I know is a small step, is a resolution that's going to allow everybody to be, for one night, an adult. Also, fa- to, 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 this is where I would disagree with Rami. Just because Kevin Garnett in an article says, hey, I still love the state of Minnesota, I still love Minneapolis, I still like... Part of having relationships with former legendary players is so that once or twice or five times a year, minimum, they come back in the fold and they're part of ceremonies and they hang out courtside and they show up for events and they, and they, and they're around training camp. Like look at the, the, the twin, the twins, by the way, are brilliant at this. That's Dave St. Peter and did who, who did a lot of work there too. Right. And that's, there that's are a lot of guys for a long time who wouldn't come back. And Dave St. Peter worked his ass off to get guys like Killebrew, Carew, all of those guys back. Yeah, and so this is a testament on the ownership and president side of the Twins organization. They do everything they can. Do you think that it's sometimes a pain in the ass to work with egos and personalities and highly paid guys? Like, is it always just smooth sailing? Absolutely not. But every single time spring training rolls around, you want to know who's down there, like in uniform in Fort Myers, working with players and imparting knowledge? Tory Hunter, Harmon Killebrew before he died, Rod Carew, Kirby Puckett before he died. Like it's it's just a regular thing that you have these players as part of the fabric of the organization. And whatever extent that would be with Kevin Garnett, I'm not saying Kevin Garnett would show up and hang out for like a week during Wolves training camp every single year, but I I need more than a jersey in the rafters and. I don't think just because Kevin Garnett says good things about Minneapolis and the state of Minnesota in an article 
that all right, well, cool. I'm glad that I'm glad that, like we don't we don't get to put our arms around him. He's never here because he hates Glenn Taylor. And if the if the only thing that solves it is Glenn Taylor s- selling the team, like I can't sit here and make an argument for why he should keep the team. Like he, you know, cool, you maybe you got Gerson Rosas correct, but the resume speaks for itself the last 25 years. And so it's just a damn shame. We're sitting here and Kevin Garnett has laid all of his cards on the table. It would be interesting if Glenn Taylor would also lay all of his cards out on the table. But the problem is, like I said five, ten minutes ago, if one of those cards is, yeah, we were talking about an ownership stake while he was still a player, the Wolves could the Wolves could probably get hit with like taking first-round draft picks away again. Again? Like, and we're back full circle to where we were in the late 90s. And Joe Smith of course. signed that contract because he was big buddies with Kevin Garnett. <laughs> Anyways... Other than that, things are great. This poor this franchise. <laughs> Honest to God. Our re- rewind today on on the uh, Bulls-Wolves 97 was game was so much fun. Actually, I'm madder now because of that. Yeah, we had it planned before this Q&A came out. We were going to do a look back into, at the time, the trademark win of the Timberwolves organization when they beat Michael Jordan's Bulls for the first time. On December 30th of 1997, Marbury, KG, you can find the episode, Minnesota Sports Rewind, anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Score North app. And Rami, literally as we're doing this episode, mm-hmm. news break. So it's a feel-good episode, right? This, Oh, man, this is one of the great wins in Wolves history. And in the middle of the bleeping episode, as we're getting stories from Tom Hanneman about Kevin Garnett and Stefan Marbury, that article drops. <laughs> yeah, no, I was in my car on my way to the station, and Declan texted me, this this KG stuff Mackie sent is juicy. I said, I'm in my car. What? What happened? I had him texting me recaps of the article. It's amazing. So you guys are, uh, what's your level of grudge holding in your lives? One through, like 10 being, man, if you... If you don't give me back the 50 cents that I loaned you, like I'm never talking to you again, being a 10, and a 1 being like you just let anyone walk all over you and you forget about it, how would you rate your grudge holding? In your, I think Kevin Garnett's like an 8 or a 9. You let If, if he lends you 5 bucks and you don't repay it, oh, I, no, think he, I don't think he talks to you ever again. No, I think he's a 10. Okay. Where are On you guys a scale at? of 1 to 10? Yep. Probably like a 7. I don't think I'm that extreme about it. It's but, pretty high. But but like KG, I'm I'm look, I'm not I'm not gonna like harass you. I'm not gonna go around bad mouthing you. We're talking about you behind your back, but you cross a certain line and you're just out. And it it's not like an active anger. Like I said, there there's no I'm not gonna do anything necessarily to act out on the grudge, but you cross a certain line and you're just out of my circle and you're not getting back in, period. End of story. And that's, and that's fine. Like I said, I think it's a very adult thing to just accept that certain people won't like you and you won't like certain people and being able to move on with your life. Too many people have this, this impulse, this urge, this notion that everything is supposed to be hunky dory and everybody's supposed to like you and you're supposed to like everybody. And, and that's just not realistic, man. That's not the real world. So. If you want to call that a grudge, yeah, I, 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 I can hold a grudge. Once, once you're out, you're out. I'm probably only like maybe I'm a five, a four. So, so if I don't trust you or like you, I don't deal with you at all. But I don't talk about you because I don't care. But the one thing is, I, I will bend if it's gonna if it's gonna impact people that I care about. So, like if I got to go through you to get to people that I care about. Then I will. Then I'm not going to to just hold a grudge necessarily for the sake of said grudge. Yeah. Um. So so I probably change a bit, but um. But an athlete grudge like this one, 
And I think guys that are wound tight, I think great athletes tend to be like this because it fuels them in games as well. That's probably a grudge level that I could never get close to because I'm not wired that way. Yeah, see, I think it's very obvious based on these quotes that, and by the way, there's audio of this somewhere because Stadium TV Stadium TV posted an audio really? clip of the Kobe quote. So they've got the audio, and they just posted a clip of the Kobe quote. we got to get that audio. But they haven't released all the rest of it yet. Oh, man. As of right now, it's just in print. I bet form. there's anger dripping from those words. We need the audio of Kevin Garnett saying snake MFers. Never heard it like that. That's what we need. Never heard that before. But he clearly, when he thinks of people that he hates, he gets this like rage built up, and right. he starts calling them snake MFers, and like he gets mad. My level of grudge holding is not zero. I just sort of, you're just out of my right. consciousness. Right. I don't even get mad when I think about you. You're just, yep, you've just reached a level in whatever you've done or whatever our impasse was, and I'm... But is that a, I'm, I'm good on but you. But does that qualify for us as a grudge, or is that just moving on? Yeah, I mean, like Ke- a grudge to me is being actively mad. It's actively coming. It's it's actively. Yeah. I don't talking think Kevin Garnett walks around thinking about this in his day to day. He was asked about it in an interview, and he gave a, and he gave an honest answer. But the venom is is such that, oh, yeah. no, that I, it goes well beyond a venom that I'd be capable yeah. of coming near Rami. Oh no, I can I can draw up that venom for sure, for sure. The old- <laughs> In all candidness, the only time that I could get this mad is when I was young and drinking. <laughs> Seriously, like, like if I was drunk, I, I could get. Now that you're now that you're old and drinking, you. I'm too He's old. a different kind of drunk. I'm, I'm fifty now, man. <laughs> Seriously, but you know when you're like twenty five and you've and you've had a few too many toddies and something sets you off and there's a venom there. That would be the only time that I could get anywhere close to that. Like that like that quote to just be in the course of a Q&A to me is a level of rage that's it is yeah. hard to approach. Well, we have open phone lines right now too. So, who do you blame more? Kevin Garnett or Glenn Taylor? 651-646-8255. The poll we have up from a couple hours ago on Score North Twitter and Score North Instagram. It's about 80% blaming Glenn Taylor with several hundred or maybe even a few thousand votes. But do you blame Kevin Garnett or do you blame Glenn Taylor? 651-646-8255. Also coming up, Major League Baseball putting together plans for May baseball games. And also, Let Us Not Forget is a segment that we need to dive into at some point today after we talk about Federated Mutual Insurance Company. During these uncertain, unprecedented times, your team at Federated Mutual Insurance Company has kept a strategic focus on policyholder service. They've been directing clients and partners all throughout the country to the information they need on very important things during this pandemic. For instance, recommended response plans for your business. And that doesn't just mean at the outset. I mean, think about how many things could still change going forward here the rest of the summer and how many times you might have to update your plan as a business. Uh, Communications to employees and also even resource links to uh, HR-related topics. So if if these resources could be of help to you or your business, contact your local marketing representative at Federated. The website is federatedinsurance.com, where you can also find a full list of industries that Federated protects. Federated is a Minnesota-based company in Owatonna, been around for over 100 years. And as a mutual insurance company, they believe their value is measured by the success of their clients. Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. 
Northen here with the Score North download. Score North and many of our local advertising partners remain open for business, and you can hear from them daily right here on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. We're all in this together, and you can hear how you can support our local community by visiting scorenorth.com, keyword open, also over at scorenorth.com, completely for free right now. An article from Judd Zolgad naming the top five quarterbacks... Vikings quarterbacks of all time, as voted on by Judd Zolgad, Phil Mackey, Patrick Royce, and Matthew Collar, naming quarterback number four yesterday. He named Warren Moon as quarterback number five yesterday. The top four, or the number four quarterback is out today. Go check that out for free over at scorenorth.com. That's been your Scorenorth download. Now back to Mackey and Judd Rami. Thank you, Jonathan. Yeah, we'll talk about that once we get closer to the top of that ranking. I've got, I've got thoughts on where other people seem to have ranked certain quarterbacks. I know you do. And they are wrong. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Longevity does not equal greatness. I will repeat, and that applies to Hall of Fames as well. Longevity does not equal greatness. Yeah. All right? Mm-hmm. Peak greatness is more important than how long you played for somebody. Like how, how long does that peak have to be for you to justify that statement? Jack Morris is one of the greatest Twins pitchers of all time, and Brett Favre is one of the greatest Vikings quarterbacks yeah, of all just time. Wait, just wait. Just wait. They had one the great list, year each. The list will continue. Okay. There's only there's only one guy I left off that I struggled with. All right. We'll do that later this week. Yes, we will. I'm not saying anything else, Rami. Rami, I'm done. It is time. We'll start with Rami because that be on the uh, totally free Score North app. Should be okay. I'm trying to charge free for now. Nobody will let me charge. Judd wants to put it behind the paywall. I want to put it behind the paywall. (laughs) I want to make some more money for myself. Well, times are tough. Okay. Yeah. Times are tough, so make people pay more. <laughs> when everything's coming out from right. the paywall, we're putting stuff behind it. <laughs> Makes total sense for a business. The NFL, ball. NBA, Major League Band, they're all giving you their networks for free. Judd is like, I'm, now I'm charging now, you yeah. for what I give Now you. you want the content? You want the goods? In fact, we can start the Let Us let us Not Forget segment by saying, Let Us Not Forget, the Score North app is totally free in the Google Play Store and the Apple Store. It's a good thing not to forget. All right, Rami, start us off. Let, let us, us not forget. Let us not forget, <laughs> gentlemen. Let us not forget. That when the coronavirus hit, the sports world came to a screeching halt, and we were all forced to stay in our houses. We were waiting for the Red Sox to be punished for their own cheating scandal. Yeah. And a lot of these let us not forgets are things we weren't going to forget. We just wanted to get on our soapbox and rant a little bit. This is one that I feel like people actually forgot or at least put put in, in on the back burner of their sports memory and their sports mind. Let us not forget, gentlemen, that we were still waiting for the punishment to come down to see how Rob Manfred would screw this up, too, and and <laughs> not dole out justice properly. Let us not forget that the Boston Red Sox are probably in the same boat as the Houston Astros. I know we still all have that Astros hate, and we await opening day or whenever the case might be that they're coming through your ballpark and you can heckle them and boo them and harass them. But let us not forget that the Red Sox probably had that coming too, and we just the hammer just never got dropped down before, like I said, the whole sports world came to a stop. Although, have you guys heard about the court case going on right now against Major League Baseball no. and uh, DraftKings? No. no. By daily fantasy players who feel like yeah. cheating had altered results and they lost money as a result of those of those fantasy games. Yeah. So it's a pretty frivolous lawsuit. It's kind of stupid, to be honest with you. But some good little nuggets and tidbits are coming out of it, including the fact that the attorneys for the Boston Red Sox declined to admit that they illicitly stole signs using electronics. When asked, do you admit or not that the Red Sox violated the rules, 
their lawyer said, we do not admit that. We do not admit that. So I don't, I don't know if they denied it to Major League Baseball in their investigation, hmm. but in a court of law, the Red Sox are denying that they or will not admit at least that they violated Major League Baseball rules. But let us not forget, gentlemen, nonetheless, yeah, that we were waiting for that hammer to drop on the Red Sox. It is amazing. Yeah, that just kind of went away, right? Oh, coronavirus came along. I guess we'll just well, Manfred not talk that- about this. Put, By the way, the judge's response, yeah. that's interesting. So you think the commissioner of baseball was just off base in your view? Ge- He's in a general state of being off base. <laughs> but don't forget, too, yes. that, that, that pre, pre uh, the uh, coronavirus shutting things down, that Manfred was doing his best to push this Red Sox thing, yeah. kick the can down the road as far as possible. Yeah, there Nobody are new. There are clearly things that they don't want the public to know about the Astros and the Red Sox and maybe a bunch of other teams around baseball. Gentlemen, let us not forget that the Minnesota Twins, who broke the Major League record last season for home runs, signed one of the best players in baseball, Josh Donaldson. Now, it's time for crowd noise. Let's just put the bombtage behind the rest of our show. That's a little aggressive. Yeah, that might get a little annoying. I just want the crowd noise. The Twins broke the Major League record for home runs and signed a guy who, forget about... Forget about the 41 homers and 123 RBIs in his MVP season of 2015. Let's say you can't tap into that because he was 29 years old. Last year with the Braves, this guy hit 37 homers, 94 RBIs, had a 900 OPS, gentlemen. Josh Donaldson, bringer of rain, finished 11th in MVP voting. Let us not forget, if and when the season does start, this lineup is better than it was at the end of last year. Let us not forget. Let us not forget that I have found a loophole in baseball suspension rules, which means that there's a very good chance on opening day, Michael Pineda will be in the Twins' starting rotation. Really? Let us not forget that about a week ago or so, baseball came out and said that if they lose the season, that the uh, one-year suspensions of A.J. Hinch and the Astros' former GM, Jeff Lunau, would be over. And that they are immediately eligible then in 2021 to return which means that if you have a mythical clock it's running right now because you can't say that and then be like well we didn't lose the whole year so now we're going to change our mind you can't move this you've now made a decision you are running clocks on suspensions therefore if we get 39 i believe 39 games into the what was to be the season and now we hit let's say july 1st and they start playing baseball there is every reason to believe that anyone who was suspended for X amount of games to start the season had those clocks run during games that didn't take place. So wait, so just to untangle this, so you're saying because baseball has elected to start the clock, like, hey, if you're if you were going to be a free agent anyways, they're, you're they're a running, free agent. They're running every clock possible. You but, can't not run it on players who are suspended if you are doing so on a manager and GM who are suspended. Agreed. You can't. You can't have it both ways. I mean, you can if you're Rob Manford. You have no problem having it both ways if, if you're Rob Manford. But if I'm Pineda, I sue. I take you to court. I also just stop cheating if I'm I think Pineda. you, I think well, you yeah, lose I that, care. though, Judd, because the, the reason behind 
why those suspensions by Lunau and Hinch will have been served, even if there is no baseball, mm-hmm. is because the wording of the suspension, the wording of Michael Pineda's suspension is he suspended 39 games. That's the wording in his suspension. The wording in the suspension of Hinch and Lunau is their suspension will be served upon the conclusion of the 2020 World Series. Now, I say, mm. if we're really going to be sticklers, yep. if we're really going to pick nits in this thing, yep. if the 2020 World Series is never played, technically their suspension never ends. Right. That's where I'd go. And, if, if I'm getting hung up on technicalities, and have you, they're just done. And and we've read what the Pineda suspension is, but we have not seen the actual document. But I think when you trigger these these clocks to run... They're running. So are you, just to clarify here. So I'd sue you. Are you saying, let's say the season starts on July 1st and they f- somehow plan to play 162 games, that he would still have to serve his suspension, right? But if they decide, we're only going to play 100 games. Right, if you they, run the clock. If, if they're, we're Correct. only going to play 100 games. Now I've got a case. So, oh, we've already missed 62 games and you were only supposed to be suspended for 39. So now I've got a case. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, none of us are lawyers, but. Doesn't matter. We're sports Whatever. lawyers. We got microphones. So that was literally. I know you guys won't believe this. That was literally the other profession. When I was trying to pick a major, I was like, "Well, you're a radio host. What do I want to do?" And the extra two to four years of school did not seem appealing to me. So <laughs> here we are, gentlemen. Mackie and Judd with Ronnie. <laughs> That's right. And when we come back, speaking of our wonderful commissioner Rob Manfred, we'll do a couple things when we come back here. Uh, we still have a couple things to get into off this Kevin Garnett. Q&A with The Athletic, and we will dive into those things in the 5 o'clock hour. But baseball possibly gearing up for games in May and all the different ideas being presented? We'll talk about them here. Could the Twins be playing in May in Arizona? Mackie and Jeb with Rami, Score North and the Score North app. The American Red Cross continues to face a severe blood shortage due to the coronavirus pandemic, and the, and they need your help. Healthy blood and platelet donors are asked to give now. Donating blood remains safe and blood banks remain open all across the Twin Cities metro. To schedule an appointment, visit scorenorth.com, keyword red, to learn more and give blood. I'm a chronic nose picker. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. I just realized because we're all living quarantine life and, you know, our building here, our studios really only have like the one window behind Jonathan. It is 70 degrees and there's not a cloud in the sky right now. So nice out. I don't know if you guys can see. There'll be baseball being played right now. Thanks a lot for bringing that up. I didn't want to see that much we're light good, from dude. you, Rami. Yeah, we're, we're good on that. What are you doing? That yoga's really yeah. paying off. Yeah, that high yeah. angle doesn't, uh, no. when your sh- shorts are up. Yeah, that, yeah pull, pull those shorts they up, They weren't too. that high up. All right. These are these are like 90s-style basketball shorts. Thanks, Dirk <laughs> They go past the knee. They go past the knee. I'm the only guy still wearing these shorts. All, All right. right. If, if for some reason you want to watch Rami in shorts, you can watch yeah. the Mackie and Jeb with Rami show streaming live on Scornarth Twitter, Facebook, and Should Twitch. I just put my calves in view of the camera for the whole show? No. No, you don't need to do that. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, no. It is my don't. most attractive feature, I must say. Uh, how about we not? All right. 
We have the ability to kick them out of the video. I'm just trying to drive up the numbers, guys, all right? I just want traffic on the website. All right, let's do this. Let's A-B test this. Let's just do one. We'll do one stream where it's just the normal Mackie and Judd with Rami shot. And then we'll do another stream like ESPN does during the college football playoff where it's just Rami in short shorts. And we'll see what drives traffic. Just my cats. We're putting that content behind the paywall. That's what it is. Yep. That content. uh, You can pay for that if you want to see behind the paywall. All right, gentlemen, this is from Jeff Passan, ESPN. Com, baseball Insider, and he writes on their website, Major League Baseball and its players are increasingly focused on a plan that could allow them to start the season as early as May and has the support of high-ranking federal public health officials who believe the league can safely operate amid the coronavirus pandemic, sources told ESPN. Though the plan has a number of potential stumbling blocks, It has emerged above other options as the likeliest to work and has been embraced by MLB and the Players Association leadership who are buoyed by the possibility of baseball's return and backing of federal officials, sources said. The plan, sources said, would dictate that all 30 teams play games at stadiums with no fans in the Phoenix area. And so they they have 10 different spring training complexes in the Phoenix area and obviously Chase Field. Uh, and other nearby fields. There's college fields, like Arizona State has a stadium, et cetera, et cetera. Players, coaching staffs, and other essential personnel would be sequestered at local hotels where they would live in relative isolation and travel only to and from the stadium. Federal officials at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, as well as the National Institutes of Health, have been supportive of a plan that would adhere to strict isolation, promote social distancing, and allow Major League Baseball to become the first pro sport to return. Instead of having players sit in dugouts, because no one's sitting in the stands, after the inning is over, players would just go sit in the stands with seats marked at least six feet apart from each other. (laughs) How do you guys feel? Listen, if this is what it takes... It sounds like the onion. If they can figure out all the logistics, I'm here for it. It What do you guys think? Rami, go ahead. Yeah, if you could pull it off safely, man. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Pull it off. It's not only safely for everyone involved. And we've gone through these numbers before, guys. When we say everyone involved, we're talking about from Mike Trout down to the dude working at the hotel rooms where these guys are all going to have to live inside of this, as Jeff Passan put it, biosphere. By the way, I want nothing to do with any biosphere that doesn't include Polly Shore and Stephen Baldwin. But that's another discussion for another day. <laughs> if you could, if you can, if you could pull it off safely and without pulling resources away from people who need it more and places that need it more, sure, go ahead. But when I'm reading this, guys, it doesn't seem all that feasible or realistic to me and my limited knowledge on what it would take, really, in terms of all the intricacies and machinations of pulling this thing off as a layman on the outside looking into the biosphere. This seems borderline impossible to pull off, A, like I said, safely, and B, without pulling resources away from where they're much, much more important and much, much more needed. So let me get something straight here. We're going to take um, all these baseball players during a pandemic, and we're going to sequester them completely. Mm-hmm. But So if Mike Trout's mom gets the coronavirus, he can't leave. He's sequestered. Well, you can't do it. I mean, it's the same way right now. If your mom gets coronavirus, like she goes to the hospital and you can't visit her anyways. Right, but what I'm saying is he can't then go home and be with his family or he's out. Correct. 
And so, well, he, or, or he can, and he and comes back you, and gets tested. And as you guys know, I am Mister. If your wife has a kid, be there for the birth. That's fine, but then get to the game, right? Unless it's the second child, in which case, Unless you the do second, not, exactly you right. Do so I am. So I am the there, least. Done that. So I'm the least. I am the least like. Oh, woe is me for the players and. But we're in the midst of a pandemic here, and we're trying to figure out how to get all these guys to Arizona. And the other thing is, you're telling me, you're telling me that this group of mostly young men in their 20s, right? They're going to be sequestered, hotel, ballpark, ballpark, hotel, sitting in the stands, six feet apart. Mm-hmm. No one's going to go out. No one's going to sneak out and do their own well, thing. Well, where can you go out to? And go, but I'm just saying, no one's going to do anything that's going to potentially lead to a case of I just I think you'd have like at this point, I think there's so many holes in this and are we 3 weeks in and I know it seems like we're 6 months in but are we 3 weeks into this holding pattern uh yeah a 3 month or 4 or something so? like that all right let's just accept that April is done and May is probably two for sports I'm not, listen I love this idea I think it sounds like an onion article, as Jed pointed out. When you read when you read through it at first and you're like, all right, wait a second. Like the players are gonna sit in the stands. Like what what is this? This is ridiculous. But I think I say th- if they're gonna sit in the stands, like open the concessions, <laughs> like let these dudes let these dudes really be fans. You know what I mean? Can you just have one person with mini donuts going I up and down? See, I wanna see Williams has to deal with like popcorn and a yeah. soda sitting behind home plate. <laughs> That's what I want. Give them a couple of radar guns, they can exactly. be scouts yep. behind the, the, the Absolutely. Net. But to answer a couple of Judd's questions, okay, so you're gonna sequester away from your family. Well the answer is yes. I mean that's the sacrifice you'd have to, part of the sacrifice is America wants to be entertained. America wants right. like something to get started again, and it's not for the rest of your lives. It's for the next four to five months, and then you can go back home. Still and, and if there's an emergency or something, then you go back. This is where it all hinges. This can't happen if you don't have enough tests. You have to have enough tests for people that actually need tests, I was say, for one. Can you do that? Can you spread out the tests? You need tests for people that actually need tests first. So, like, if you can't if you can't get a system where you literally have, like, 300 million tests, then you can't do this because you'd literally have to pre-test everyone before they show up to the ballpark almost every but day. I love, I love sports, but why don't we just admit that that these are un, this is a complete unknown? We don't know exactly when you know this what? is going to be safe. Why don't we just admit that we're probably done until at least June? Well, but the, but they like they. They don't know when this is going to be okay, but they have to plan. They can't just they can't just not plan well, for something to thing fire is, back up. The the curious thing about this is there, there was the conference call, I believe, with Trump and the pro sports leagues on Saturday, and since then everybody has very conveniently leaked out a plan to restart. Yeah, just to which get, I don't get a think. Little, actually, I don't no. Think Adam Silver. Adam Silver said they're not even talking seriously about a return until May. So they're going to talk about a return in May. That means the NBA won't be back until at least June because whatever they come up with in May is going to take a couple of weeks of planning and working out all the kinks in the plan. And then you're going to need two or three weeks for these guys to get back in facilities and ramp up back to playing shape. So if, if they're not even talking about the possibility of a return until May, we're, we're saying at least June until baseball comes back or basketball comes back yet. Baseball thinks it can be back in three or four weeks. I think we like this timeline just doesn't this doesn't add up to me. However, I keep on saying, guys, 
I defer to experts on this whole thing. I'm not listening to politicians. I'm not listening to the dude who calls into the show about how we should be handling this. I'm listening to experts in the fields that these things actually matter in. And as we're having this discussion, the foremost expert in this, Dr. Fauci, says he could see some version of the Arizona plan as possible. Wait, Fauci said this. Fauci said, I just came across this article. I love Fauci, man. I love Fauci. He's my favorite person. Some part of it? Uh, Yes. This is, uh, Which means what? this is a tweet from John Heyman. He says, while top U.S. health officials haven't endorsed the Arizona plan for MLB, uh-huh. where the season will be played in the Phoenix area and it's not fully developed, word is Dr. Anthony Fauci has been apprised of the broad concept of the AZ plan and is said to see some promise in it. If he sees promise in it, I see promise my in guess, it. My guess is... That's the only guy whose opinion I care about My right guess now. is he'll say June... Okay, let's take the timeline out of guess. it for a second because this is. I think we're we're getting tripped up on the May thing. It's too aggressive. I, I would, like May, it's not going to happen in May. Yeah, too aggressive. But the, but obviously, pro sports leagues are going to look to get back the minute that they can, and if they're going to look to get back the minute that they can when it's safe, the first step is probably to not have fans in the stadium. Mm-hmm. It's. I think would we all agree that it's a foregone conclusion that whenever leagues do come back, there will be no fans in stadiums. Like it doesn't. It doesn't make sense to. Unless you wait it out for six to nine yeah, months or a year, right? If you want to get the leagues back up and I'll running in 2020, sure. you probably have to do it without fans. Sure. And so I'm running this whole thing through the prism of, I don't care if it's May, June, or July. Whenever it makes sense, you have to find a way mm-hmm. to, to light this thing back up without fans and do it in a way that quarantines the players off as much as possible. And so from that perspective, I think this kind of works. Now, there's a bunch of logistical issues that have to be talked about here. Judd brought up one of them, which is how do you prevent, not that there's like bars to go to, but how do you prevent people like players from going out and driving around and gathering and stuff? Well, I think you could probably put security at the front of every hotel or something, or just like there's ways you could, you could do that. Team security. Ticket revenue is going to be shot because you're not going to be selling target TV. field, this right? Is all about TV money. And you know, could they sign some new national deals and say, "All right, we've got all these games. We're going to put more games on different networks." And so, could they, in the next two months, could Major League Baseball, which I think only has deals with Fox, TBS, and ESPN, could they strike deals with CBS and NBC and say, "Listen, you're looking for content." No, no, be, be, because th- those games would all default. Back to the RSNs that serve those towns. That's who wants games. Right, but those deals were already paid for. So you're not gaining any revenue by starting the games. Those deals were already paid for. Right, but they, they're, they, want the, they want as much as they can possibly bleed financially off of that. And guys, there's a, uh, there's a saying in politics that I was recently reminded of in watching the latest season of Ozark. You guys watching Ozark? It's on the list. Check it's on it the out. list. Chip Scoggins uh, loves it, swears by it. And the saying is, never let a good crisis go to waste. Which sounds crass and crude, but that's that's reality, and that's how politicians think. And a crisis is an opportunity for you to look good and step into a void where people are looking for leadership. And right now, there's a void in the sports world. People are looking for live entertainment, live sporting entertainment. And Dana White sees that void, and he's going to get a private island if he has to to fill it, damn it. Vince McMahon sees that void, and he's going to have two nights of WrestleMania in an empty training center if it means filling it and taking advantage of a good crisis. And you better damn well believe that Major League Baseball, the NBA, and any other major sport right now is running to fill the void and be the savior 
for starved American yeah. sports fans right now. Rob Manford wants to grow the sport of baseball. What better to grow the sport of baseball than literally being the only game in town? Yes. The only sport the you can turn on your TV and see live. But the problem th- that he is going to have to at least address is this. He can't be wrong. Like nothing can Absolutely. Go, nothing can go wrong cuz if it goes wrong, God help you. But what's okay, but what's what does go wrong mean? Let's say they 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 start this thing up and they do this they they implement this plan in Arizona. Mike right? Trout gets gets it. Okay. Well, that's a huge now now it's not now it's completely gone sideways. But Mike Trout's going to get it at some point. But anyway. I think the timeline. I think your timeline is is if we're if we're talking about an Arizona sequestering starting let's say late June or early July, I think that probably works. It was the timeline that I found laughable last night, as if you were going to rush all of these guys in May to play there. Now, if you do this in on July 1st, I think it might work. How would the the TV and media side work? Because you're trying to limit the amount of people that are in these ballparks, right? Smarter minds than me, But you're man. also trying to figure out, like, these games have to be on. Like, if the Twins are playing at, uh, you know, the San Diego Padres training facility and there's no fans in the stands and that game has to be on Fox Sports North, does Major League Baseball just send, like, a stock camera crew out to each stadium and then Dick Bramer and Justin Morneau are broadcasting the game from home? Right? I have no idea, yeah. I have no clue. I mean, I'm here for monitor. I'm here for it. Sure. They're watching on TV just like we are and they're Maybe. doing live watch-alongs? Maybe. Or do they have... You know, maybe I mean, yes, there's like three play by play teams that just kind of float around and I don't know, but <laughs> they wouldn't get gassed quick. But to Rami's point, like Rob Manfred, you know, this is gonna make or break everything we've talked about with Rob Manfred so far, I, I, I think at this point he is just he has been proven to be a bad commissioner mm-hmm. and we all have ripped him on the show. But this is the moment right here, man. Like if you can come up with a plan, whether it's safe to implement in June or July or changes to your sport that make it more compelling, you can rise out of this thing. By the way, some of the things that they're talking about doing are very intriguing to me. Things that they should just think about doing in general, right? Like an electronic strike zone, like having players mic'd up as an added element to to the to the home viewer, the home TV viewer. Like they're going to try a lot of things if this plan gets pulled off that they should just be trying anyways. Yeah, here's a, here's a full bullet point list from Jeff Passan's article. And I do love that it took a coronavirus world pandemic for us to think about putting electronic strike zones in actual Major League Baseball oh, games. I'm still concerned about it. So implementing an electronic strike. But how are you going to adjust for the height of the batter? Like, I don't know. We sent a robot to Mars. I think we can figure it out. <laughs> but like, how are you going to? No, it's not that hard. Uh, so implementing an electronic strike zone to allow the plate it's not umpire... that hard for smart people. Let's not sit here and act like we could <laughs> no, do it. No, I gr- agree. Okay, all right. So implementing an electronic strike zone to allow the plate umpire to maintain sufficient distance from the catcher and the batter. Yep. So he's just going to be standing <laughs> seven so feet behind the plate. Umpire's going to be, no, sitting in the stands, <laughs> drinking a beer. Well, he's got to make calls at home, right? That's a strike! <laughs> Two and one, two and one. No, I'll take the two for one. It's one and two, actually. Uh, no mound visits from the catcher or the pitching coach. That, that should just be a thing all love the time. That. I love that one, too. Let's speed her up. All right, seven inning double headers with an earlier than expected start date, uh, which could allow baseball to come closer to a 162 game season. That's my idea, baby. Season. That's the Zolgat plan. So play like what two two double headers a week or something? Yep. 
That'd be crazy. Get if they're playing seven or eight baseball games a week in the Arizona heat in the middle of summer. Yeah, that's another that's thing, too. Insane, Arizona gets dude. up like 110 well, degrees. Chase, Chase has a roof, so you, you could play multiple games per day in that building. You could probably play three games a day, but you'd have to have a cutoff. You or couldn't you go could 15 just, innings. Or you could just keep playing round-the-clock baseball. Wow, midnight games? Like the old Metrodome days. Wow. I played a high school game Augs- inside the Metrodome. It's Augsburg and St. Thomas in the yeah. Metrodome at 2 a.m. They used to play. Yeah. All right. I, actually, the uh, the night before my ACT test in high school, we had a baseball game scheduled. It was Buffalo against Laverne. Yeah, I drank And it was scheduled man. to start at like 11 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> and? Uh, I mean, oh, this is, okay, quick side story. I got a 25 on my ACT the next day. I'm, oh, wow. I'm three hours sleep. Wow. Not too bad, right? So wow. I figure, nice. a couple months later, I figure... I'm going to take it again because, you know, I only slept like two or three hours. If I take it again on 10 hours of sleep, right, no, I got a 25 again. Why'd Total waste of time. Why'd you do that? It's ridiculous. Come on, Phil. I hit my glass ceiling educationally. All right. Uh, regular use of on-field microphones, like Rami said, by the players as an added bonus for TV viewers. Again, something they should just be doing anyways. Mm-hmm. And players sitting in the empty stands <laughs> six feet apart, the recommended social distancing space. Instead of in a dugout, each option, though far from certain, is likely to be bandied about in the coming days as the viability of the plan for everyone involved takes shape. And all of those things that we just read off are things that if they implement this year, I think by and large fans and maybe even the organizations would say, let's just keep all this stuff. Let's do seven inning double headers. This is great. I actually love that idea. You could probably condense the season if you wanted to. You could probably start this. You could condense it into like a five month period. Get out of football. I know that October is your month to do the playoffs, but that's also the NFL's huge peak month when it comes to TV viewerships. So. I like I like that idea. So, by the way, did you guys see that uh, Stu Gotts and I have an alley in our home run derby extra innings? Uh, yeah, Turner, idea? Justin Turner. Oh, the Dodgers, we have an ally yeah. inside on the inside, and it's Justin Turner. You know What's what? This, what is this now? Justin Turner wants instead of extra innings, you take your three best hitters. And they take their three best hitters, and you have a home run derby if a game ends in a tie after nine innings. It's a shootout, baby. Love it. You know what? For this year, do it. I'm fine with it. Yeah, your excuse can be, listen, we got to play multiple games. I don't like games, it long term, but... Multiple games at each just site. Just try it. Yeah. You know what? Try everything. Take every idea you possibly got and empty it out this Throw year. Throw it all at the wall. Yes. And you know what? Some of it's going to stink and it won't, it won't stick, and some of it will. The seven-inning baseball game, to me, as a rule, I'm very intrigued by Long term, I'm very like very, every game or every, just every game extra in, or just nope. double header games. Nope, no every no, no, game. No, no, Long term, no, 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 very no, no, intrigued no, no, by no, seven no. innings. No, you're just because no. the games will be done in two and a half yes. hours instead. Yes, too drastic a change. I don't know if I don't know if time of game <laughs> that. is as big of a problem as everyone right says it's it a, is. No, but pace of play is, and pace of play just gets it done quicker. But the but the pace of play within the seven innings would still be the same, right? It's still a plotting. Right, but game. then we still but then we still get the youngsters out of there. It, it it's perfect. Seven but, but innings. Young people is, like college football, and college football takes four hours. Thank you. This is what I've been saying. Every sport do they takes really? two and a half to three hours. They don't go to college football games. Well, the more the more young people Relative, go to college football games than baseball it's games. It's it's down. Attendance is down. College football too. Okay, but let's forget about attendance. In fact, you know what? TV viewership. It's not close. College football is up here, and baseball's yep. down. I'm I'm presenting an opportunity to fix baseball. <laughs> I'm giving you guys an opportunity. I'm the. I old agree guy with here. everything that was said in the last twenty minutes until Judd wanted to get rid seven of seven inning baseball games, and I I am in, I'm intrigued by it. I'm not saying it's going to work for sure, but this is the year to do everything that you possibly can do to alter the sport. 
I agree with that. You know what? Electronic strike zones. Let's give it a shot. Let's say it's terrible. Okay. But I think it's going to be an improvement on Angel Hernandez and Joe West, yeah. don't you? Someone just sent Rami a listen to Fauci gif. Fauci's, Fauci should come out of this with a sitcom, shouldn't he? He should just be president. With a sitcom. Well, we got five or six months to build Fauci's case to be. Fauci 2020. Dude, I would <laughs> vote for him over it. Anybody who's been put in front of me so far. The economy would be garbage, but Fauci would make sure that we are all safely no, quarantined in our Because doctors are smart, smart enough to know what they don't know and would let somebody who understands the economy handle the economy, just like we should be letting scientists and doctors handle science and medical stuff. Why don't you just stick to your basketball you, shorts and calves in there, What are you Rami? trying to say, Rami? <laughs> you know, I don't get it. Like, what's going on? I, I think the country's great. Six five one six four six eight two five five. I'll leave you right there. I can't wait to get to the polls. I can't wait to to get to the polls. In fact, I'm going to drive to Hudson after the show just to go vote there. (laughs) Just to just to stand in line. Human interaction. Just to stand really close to somebody in line. (laughs) So bad, so bad. Uh, Gentlemen, when we come back, Jonathan has a cram session planned for us in which he has a new game that we're going to play. Called Extend, Evict, or Day-to-Day. Next, on Mackie and Jeb with Rami from the TCL Studios. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We could all use a little help while quarantined, and thanks to many of our great local partners, Score North Listening Rewards is here to help with some cash relief. All month long, Score North is giving you the chance at $25 to $200 in cash just for listening to us. For your chance at free cash, download the Score North mobile app, register, and you could be a winner. Also on the Score North mobile app and scorenorth.com, both completely free. Matthew Collar has an article on three Gophers players that make sense for the Vikings in the draft, as well as his second part of the Vikings or best Vikings draft fits based on position. And the current group is offensive line. There's five parts to that series, part three coming soon. That's over at scorenorth.com, scorenorth mobile app, all for free. That's been your scorenorth download. Now back to Mackie and Judith Rami. Thank you, Jonathan. Our topic of the show off the top about an hour and a half ago, we did a 45 minute deep dive into Kevin Garnett's comments in the athletic, a QA that was about mostly his Hall of Fame induction and dove into questions about the Timberwolves and him getting his jersey retired in Boston before Minnesota. And uh, his his comment was, quote, if you're just tuning into the show here, Glenn knows where I'm at, Glenn Taylor. I'm not entertaining it. First of all, it's not genuine. Number two, he's getting pressure from a lot of fans, I guess, in the community there. Glenn and I had an understanding before Flip died. And when Flip died, that understanding went with Flip. For that, I won't forgive Glenn. I won't forgive him for that. I thought he was a straight-up person, straight-up businessman. And when Flip died, everything went with him. There's no reason to complain. Just continue to move on. My years in Minnesota and in that community, I cherish. At this point, I don't want any dealings with Glenn Taylor or the Taylor Corporation or anything that has to do with them. I love my Timberwolves. I'll always love my guys. I'll always love the people who bleep with me there. I'll always have a special place for the city of Minneapolis and the state of Minnesota in my heart. But I don't do business with snakes. I don't do business with snake MFers. I try not to do business with openly snakes or people who are snake-like. End quote from Kevin Garnett. Um, I got a policy. I mean, it's not. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not. I agree with him. Don't do business with snakes. But, you know, go get your jersey retired. Come hang out with Carl Anthony Towns. 
And uh, Critical Gopher Fan tweets into the show, are you going to hold a grudge against someone who paid you $200 million to play basketball? And this is my least favorite argument that anyone makes, and I've seen this a couple times, that, well, if you're Kevin Garnett, why can't you put aside your feelings? I mean, how can you hold a grudge against someone who paid you $200 million to play basketball? Well, it wasn't that Glenn Taylor was going to offer $200 million over the course of 10 years, and nobody else was going to offer anything. Kevin Garnett's skills and the market dictated that he would make $200-plus million playing basketball during his time with the Timberwolves. So, like, do you guys think that part of this discussion should be, well, listen, I mean, Glenn did put $200 million in your pocket. Like, am I wrong on this? Thank you. I appreciate it, Glenn. But he could have played for the Clippers. He could have played for literally anybody, the New York Knicks, and he would have made $200 million because he was one of the best basketball players in the world. It's a ridiculously dumb argument, to me anyways. I think it's ridiculous anytime people expect athletes to be grateful and beholden to people who pay them what their market value is. Thank the fans, if nothing else. Like the fans are the reason why he makes $200 million to buy tickets and they watch games on TV. I mean, yeah, but you don't know the fans anything either. It's just the market. Like it's just that's it's capitalism. It's the free market. It's our economy. It's the way things work. Somebody will pay you what they think you're worth. Period. End of story. And if Glenn Taylor didn't do it, somebody else would have. That's why he doesn't owe Glenn Taylor anything for paying him what he was worth. Because if Glenn Taylor said, no, I don't think you're worth that, I can guarantee you, I can guarantee to you that somebody else would have thought Kevin Garnett was worth that and would have paid him every penny of that contract. That's how business works. And and I'm saying, I I agree, he doesn't have to, like, get down on his knees and bow down to fans, but if any group or person deserves credit for him making $200 million, it's people that paid 100 bucks a ticket and boosted up the NBA's revenue totals. I mean, Glenn Taylor, like Rami just said, Glenn Taylor was doing what the market dictated. If he didn't pay $20 million for Kevin Garnett, somebody like the Bucks gladly would have. The the Nets gladly would the have. Bulls, the Bulls probably would have, yeah. The Bulls, yes, gladly would have. The sad thing about this entire situation, I think, is that there's blame to go to both sides. Um, so, yeah, he, he got paid. That was before the disintegration between the two men happened. And, and so this is, this is about whatever he felt that he was promised by Flip that he's now essentially saying Glenn knew. And so are, are we going to go back to 1998 when Glenn wrote a big check to KG? I think this is one where you can essentially talk yourself in circles, but it just comes down to, to me, really? Like, is this all really worth it? I do like the handle, the critical gopher fan. I, I like when people use does handles. Does that mean not a, fl- a Fleckian, or does that mean not a Patino no, fan? Or I, not? I, I, don't know, I don't know what it means. I just like the fact that people with their email addresses or people with their handles tell you exactly who they are. Vikes Homer, 1975. Like, that's or there it is. I know what I'm getting in this interaction. That guy loves me. <laughs> Big fan. All right, Jonathan. Let's get to it. A little cram session. Who's the winner? Some may say none of them. But let the games begin. Three questions, one winner. It's cram session with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. All right. This is a segment where Jonathan Harrison puts together three questions for us. And uh, he gives us a point based on who answered the question the best in his mind. And the standings so far this season, Judd Zolgad with seven victories, 
Rami and myself, Phil Mackey, both tied with three. Thanks to uh, loyal listener Marcus for keeping track of these stats, by the way. All time, going back to the beginning in 2019, Judd with 27 wins. And myself and Rami tied at 19 wins apiece. So Judd is the cram session master here on this show. Let's do this. All right. First question, I'm changing up a game that we play on here. I'm going extend, evict, day-to-day. The premise, you are quarantined with these three current and former Minnesota coaches for two weeks. Your coaches at hand, Thibodeau, Zimmer, and P.J. Fleck. After day one, you get to extend the quarantine for one of them for the length of the two weeks. You go day to day with the other or with another one, and you get to evict one of them from your quarantine. Who are you choosing and why? So go ahead, Robbie. This is impossible. Why? What do you mean why? Because for different reasons, all three of these guys got to be hard to be around in large doses. But I'm going at least PJ Fleck. It's positivity. Like it's it's a lot. It's a lot of energy and a lot of positivity, but at least it's positive and I could use that in these times. So PJ Fleck gets extended. Now between Tibbs and Zimmer? God, I don't know, man. I don't I don't want to. Do I have to? Do I have to be around? Do you want the point? Yeah. Hold on, hold on a second. He ripped soccer. I thought he had lost the point already. I, I'm still going to try, Jed. I'm going to uphold the integrity of the game, even if. Remember when don't. Jonathan threatened to? So I'm extending PJ. I Zimmer. Now you know what Tibbs likes a good steak. From what I know, Tibbs likes a good steak. I'm going to. So <laughs> I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep Tibbs around right, on a day to day, and Mike Zimmer is evicted. Because wow, okay. Mike Zimmer is here. You think you like appetizers? Tom Thibodeau doesn't just like appetizers. He f***ing loves them. We're looking to add wings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Small <laughs> Calamari. Mozzarella sticks. Yeah, a spinach and artichoke dip. Oh. Wait. So, what did you do? You're extending. You're extending. Extending Tom PJ. Oh. Extending PJ. Day to day with Tibbs and Zimmer is evicted. Wow. Okay. Listen, I am also going to extend PJ Fleck because it's nice to wake up and it's nice to nice to be held accountable with some difficult conversations for breakfast <laughs> and to just get that positive momentum going early in the day. You know, PJ is going to make sure that I'm making my wake bed. You up at like five thirty in the morning. That's okay. I'm okay with that. For, sure. for for two weeks. It's two weeks, for now right? you are. Two weeks. Two, two weeks. weeks. Who knows how long we're going to be in quarantine? What do you mean two weeks? And then weeks? you will hold a grudge. Well, the question says two weeks. Yeah. Oh, okay. Two-week quarantine, right. self-isolation. Two okay. Change your best, Judd. Change your best. And uh, I... I can't even change my bed. I'm going day... <laughs> Jeez. So many questions. I'm evicting Tom Thibodeau because uh, he just seems so grouchy uh, and insufferable. And Mike Zimmer, I feel like, will give you a smile once in a while. Not even... Every day, just like once every other day, give me a smile. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go day to day with Mike Zimmer. I'm evicting Tom Thibodeau and I'm extending PJ Fleck. Let me be the first to say I loved this question and it became crystal clear to me within seconds of seeing it. It was so simple. I'm extending Zim. Wow. Here's why. Okay. Yeah, he can be a bit snarly and cantankerous, but guess what? He loves loves a nice glass of wine. 
I live with a person who loves wine. I know how to handle this. They're basically the this same is person. No <laughs> exactly right. They tolerate me for the most part, and then sometimes they don't. But, but, is Zim going to have you pick up a carton of Marlboro Lights on the way home? Too? It's not a carton. It's just a, it's just a pack. And the answer is yes. It's probably, uh, you know, for Zim, it's probably a tin, right? A chew tin? Yeah. Probably, yeah. But anyway, same idea. Day-to-day, I'm going with Fleck. Because it's day-to-day, so if it gets to be too much, Zim and I can kick Fleck out. But meanwhile, you know, he's positive. He'll show up. We'll watch some film. Zim will watch the film. Fleck, offensive guy. We'll go back and forth. Zim and I drinking. Well, they'll go back and forth. He'll just be there. Yeah, exactly right. But I'll be drinking. (laughs) Zim's drinking. Flex like, yeah, you guys, this is great. And then Tibbs, I got uh, no, no, no. I bet no. like I bet Tibbs is Fleck's out. Fleck's not the guy who's going to get bombed on a Saturday night, but I bet Fleck can tip back a martini. You yeah. think he'll get into one? Okay. What do you guys think, PJ Fleck? Like, what's his go-to drink? I don't think he's drinking beer. I don't think he's no a White way. Claw guy, is he? I bet he's a hard seltzer guy. You know what? Yeah, he does strike me as hard seltzer guy for I, sure. I could see him sipping Light on, on the a, calories. He likes to stay in shape. I could see him sipping on a glass of wine on a weekend with the meal. I could see that. But you guys a little, are probably a right. Red wine. We'll have to well, ask him the next time he comes on. The problem is, like, with the seltzer, you know, being for fit people, right, I wouldn't be talking. it sort of cancels out when you drink nine of them over the course of a weekend, right? Not that I mean, not less that I'm calories than nine beers. <laughs> I can't tell you, but, but it happened last night. Like, but it's Mikey. still like a thousand calories. It's all relative, man. All right? You know what? I'm quarantined. Leave me alone. So Tibbs is out. All right. Jonathan, go ahead. See, Rami was going in the right direction by extending P.J. Fleck because he's the one I would give the extension towards and keep for the entire quarantine because of the positivity. But where Rami went wrong is going day-to-day with Tibbs. I want him out. He's gone after one day, and he might be gone after just a day and a half, or a half day. So, Phil, you're getting the point here because you evicted Tibbs and you kept P.J. I'm not, I'm not trying to get the point, but is there is there really a huge deme- difference in the demeanor or mood of Mike Zimmer and Tom Thibodeau that one is more that much more bearable than the other? The voice, probably. They do have very opposite voices. Yeah, that's true. I don't want to deal with the Tibbs voice. I think Tibbs would, yeah, I think Tibbs would just be a pain. Well, I think you know, like John Krasinski told an anecdote on our show one time that he ran into Tibbs several months after he had been fired by the Timberwolves. It might have been Summer League or something. Mm-hmm. And Tibbs was just gregarious and like put Johnny oh, in a little, in little chokehold. Like, hey, You're right. I'll give him a little noogie. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's Papa Bear Tibbs. And like, if he had just been that way yeah. to his players and to his coworkers and to the media. To anybody else? Be fine. Would, yep. he, would he have been that way if he wasn't the president as well? As the coach? No, because he was just a coach in Chicago, and he was the same okay. dude. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't find a lot of joy in the day to day. All right, so the Patinos made a Twitter bet over the weekend <laughs> based on our, who would get home field advantage or home court advantage in a game played between their two teams this next season based on who won between Brock Lesnar and Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania. So what was the best sports bet that you guys have ever made, and what did you win? Judd? I don't bet that much. So I don't have one that's that is going to um satisfy the requirements of said question here. But I would say that the best sports bet that I I made was me v Viking fans as a whole in 2010 and that was the inevitable meltdown of Case Keenum and the fact that Mike Zimmer kept alluding to it. 
we kept seeing him make passes that where we thought, man, when you get to the playoffs, that's going to be a problem. And Vikings fans are like, no, no, Case Keenum's great. And then, of course, it did not work. Uh, the second best one, again, but it's not a bet, was when was was when the Vikings were driving down the field in the 2009 conference title game against the Saints, and Chip Scoggin said to me, they're going to the Super Bowl, and I said, Chip, just wait, they're the Vikings, and then Favre threw across his body. But those aren't really bets, so I digress. I made some football bets in 2017 as well. I bet Judd Zolgad that uh, I could identify winners in our weekly pick segment at a higher rate than he could, and I won. I think I also lost because I had to fulfill a bet too at the state fair, but I won relative to Judd. And uh, it resulted in Judd having to give intern Charlie a 30 minute foot massage and pedicure on stage at the Minnesota State Fair. That's right. He had to clip his toenails too, if I'm not mistaken. Except except your punishment was having a bucket of water dumped over you, I think, on the hour during the four hour show days. It was actually on the segment, it was 16 of them. I remember that I was back here for that day. Of which one was done by Stefan Diggs. That's true. Yeah, the bet the, the bet gone awry for me was I had to do an entire four hour show from the state fair soaking wet. And I figured oh whatever, like it was one of like five choices. Like this seems like the That doesn't sound that difficult. Well, that's what I thought going in. It was cold. It was day. it was like forty eight degrees. Ah. We had no sunshine yep. and I was soaking wet for four hours. And so by the end of it, as you can imagine, like everything is just mm, not functioning the way that it should. So, anyways, Rami, thanks, George. A bet we won. I You're looking for a bet specifically that we won. Sure, Jonathan. Sure. I uh, made a bet with my co-hosts down in Milwaukee. Actually, they weren't my co-hosts yet. I was only a producer at the time. Uh, that I would lose a hundred pounds in a year. And actually, initially, the bet was fifty pounds in a year. And when I breezed right past 50 pounds, there I had three hosts on the show, and I said, we can go double or nothing, fellas. I'm going to lose 100 pounds this year. And uh, one of them said, nah, he's got this. He's going to do it. He's convinced me. The other two were like, sure, double or nothing. So they put another $100 in the pot, went on to lose 135 pounds in a year, and uh, took home $500, which all... Went to a new wardrobe because I lost 135 pounds and still wearing the same clothes. Nice. Uh, the easy winner here is Rami. I mean, he won 500 bucks. 500 bucks from last time to time. So. Wait in every Friday on the air. I'd strip down to my uh, oh, wait, 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 wait. Okay, thanks. Wait, there was no video stream of this, was there? This uh, was not. No, I don't think so. Thank yeah, like this is like Biggest Loser style. Yeah, I would, I would go and I would make an entrance because I was in the producer booth, like Jonathan is now, and I would make my way into the broadcast studio and uh, strip down to my skivvies. I kept my shirt on because uh, I don't go, I don't take my shirt off in front of anybody, and uh, would step on the scale and weigh in every Friday live on the air. Celebrity Fit Club, right? Do you remember that show? Danny Bonaducci? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, wow. I forgot Screech, all about Screech that. that. Screech was Screech on it, and he was super weird. Samuel Powers, yeah. He was just, uh, his name yeah, was Dustin Diamond. Yeah, I in, know, but in real life. He was Sam, hey, Powers, Sam Powers on the show. Stabbed a guy in a Milwaukee bar, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. With a fork, right? Good times. I because of the a, Packers. I thought it was a knife. No? Was it a fork? I think it was a fork. And I think the guy said something bad about the Packers. Hold on. Dustin Diamond stabbed. <laughs> time. Milwaukee. Yeah, you'll find I think it. It was a fork. Yeah, definitely Wisconsin. I'm sure he's voting today. <laughs> Standing in line. Yeah, he oh, was gosh. he was booked into a Wisconsin jail. Mr. Former Bradley. Save of the Bell actor Dustin Diamond booked in a jail uh, to start his four month sentence for an altercation at a Wisconsin. So he did jail time for this. 
Yeah, he stabbed a man. Yeah, he. Uh, jail time. Yeah, he was carrying a concealed weapon. Doesn't say if it was a fork or a knife. I thought it was a pocket knife. I thought it was like a pocket knife it's or a, a switchblade, if I remember correctly. <laughs> of, of course, he's just like randomly carrying a switchblade around. That's so Wisconsin, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, I can't find it. I'll it find it before the end of the show. All right, what's the third question? All right, final question, boys. Pick a movie, any movie. Replace every character except one with Muppets. What movie are what movie character are you choosing, and what movie are you choosing? It was a pocket knife, by the way. That's what I thought. I was That's wrong. what Rami said. Knife. Sorry. Thank you. Okay. By the way, there's only one true answer to this question. I found it last so, time. So you're asking us to replace every character there's in a movie except for answer. one with yeah. Muppets. He, yes. threw, he threw down the gauntlet. Yep. All right, I'll give you my runner-up, and then I thought of the real one. Okay. And I th- I'm going to guess we probably don't match based on the odds, but I, I ask you, Judge Jonathan, to be open-minded here, okay. okay? The first one I thought would be kind of funny is if The Notebook was just Ryan Gosling <laughs> and a bunch of Muppets. Wouldn't that be kind of funny? I've never seen it. Right. That's pretty good. But if it was Ryan Gosling and a bunch of Muppets, Rami, would you see it this weekend? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Love me some Muppets. Yeah. Not but, but I think the better idea would be if Friday the 13th was Jason Voorhees and just Muppets. And he literally spent an hour and a half or two hours going around Camp Whatchamacallit, terrorizing and murdering and stabbing and maiming Muppets. Like Cookie Monster? <laughs> I don't think Cookie Monster's a Muppet. No, he's not. He's, he's not on a the, Muppet? He's a Sesame Street guy. Oh, I thought they, I thought they were sort of the same. No, uh, they're... They're different. Wait, who who are the Muppets? Like, the Muppets what's the Muppet are thing? Kermit, Miss Piggy, uh, Animal. Uh, Kermit's a Sesame Street guy, though, right? No, I, he's made cameos. I mean, he's not a cat. Oh, see, member. I get confused if there's cameos. Okay. My bad. <laughs> Sorry. Who was the okay. blue guy with the big nose in the Muppets? Gonzo. Gonzo. <laughs> or was another he? Another Muppet. I think he was Beaker. Ba-dum, ba-dum, bum, ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. Now, Friday the 13th. Okay. You mean Jason Voorhees with a chainsaw going after Muppets? It, it, Come on. It seems pretty helpless, man. It's sort of along the lines of the one I had. But. All right. Judd? Uh, I am going, because th- this was the first film that came to my mind, I'm going with the, um, the uh, masterpiece from the cinema that we tackled last Friday in our action movie breakdown. I'm going with Hard to Kill. I'm... <laughs> I'm leaving Seagal in, and I'm le- but the Muppets are the rest of the cast, no question, because just the deliciousness of Steven Seagal being surrounded by Muppets and killing some, and a Muppet, and a Muppet saying, "You can take that to the bank," and Seagal saying, <laughs> "The blood bank." It's too good to pass up, and I would watch it about a hundred times. It'd be pretty funny. I thought Jeb was going to go slap shot with Paul Newman and a bunch of hockey Muppets. <laughs> no, Seagal and but Muppets. Hard to Kill would be better. Seagal and Muppets would be great. Actually, we could pretty much apply this principle to any of the action movies that we're going to review oh, yeah. on Fridays. Bloodsport with Jean-Claude Van Damme <laughs> and a bunch That'd of Muppets fighting in the Kumite. <laughs> That'd be pretty great. Right? It's a good question. Jonathan, this was a good question. Yeah! Doesn't count. Um, I got two in mind. I'm going to go with Scarface. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but here's the thing. 
Al Pacino is a Muppet. The only, the only, <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a coke snorting Muppet. <laughs> Can you imagine him at the desk in that office, just burying his face in a pile of coke and coming up? It's Kermit the Frog just burying his face and then coming up like, "Say hello to my little friend." But a puppet, but a Muppet doing it—that would be amazing. So I'm only keeping Michelle. Pfeiffer. Everybody else in the movie. <laughs> Everybody else in the movie is a Muppet. Oh, <laughs> oh that's a really good one. Rami, you're winning today. That's there such a we good go. suggestion. There we go. Scarface. There it is. What was the right answer, John? Yeah, what did you have in mind? Uh, John Wick, but you keep Keanu Reeves, so Keanu Reeves is literally just going around and killing okay. it, works, it works with any action movie, right? Yes. It'd be hilarious. I found out you can't do it to, like, Avengers kind of movies where you just keep Thanos and it's just a bunch of Muppets because then it's just a Muppet movie. And they're trying to take on Thanos. Right. I thought about I thought about making it Avengers just to suck up to the judge, but uh, I, it just didn't work. I yeah. tried to make it work in my head, and it just didn't work. So I went with Scarface. <laughs> That's amazing. That's really I good. love I love the idea of a Muppet Scarface. <laughs> I think this has to happen now. Cinematic. <laughs> <laughs> <Sure. laughs> <laughs> 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 such a good idea. <laughs> like some of, like some of the scenes of that are so dark, man. Like when when he's chastising his wife because she can't. She can't. Uh, she can't get pregnant, and he's and he's like, "Look at you! Your body is polluted from all the cocaine." Like, <laughs> imagine, a, imagine a Muppet giving that speech to Michelle Pfeiffer. That'd be outstanding. Okay, what about Castaway? And everyone's a Muppet except Wilson the volleyball. <laughs> Who's Tom Hanks? Who stars? A Muppet of a some Muppet. kind. Yeah, sure. it's Muppet Hanks. Yeah, Wilson the volleyball is the only Muppet actual Hanks. character in the Muppet Hanks. Amazing. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mock. All right. Hey, in the last two minutes of the show here, I didn't want to let Daniel Jeremiah's 3.0 mock on NFL.com slide by without us acknowledging it here. Are you guys ready to finish the show on a mock note here? Yes, go. All right, let's fire up some music here, Jonathan. Love it. We've got number one overall. There we go. Joe Burrow, the Cincinnati Bengals. Number two, Chase Young to Washington. Detroit taking a quarterback, Jeff Okuda. Number three, I'm going to skip around here. Justin Herbert, the second quarterback off the board, going fifth to the Dolphins. Tua Tagovaila to the Chargers at number six. Whoa. So those guys flip-flopping spots. Yep. Mm. Yep. Intrigue. And then we get to number 22 for the Minnesota Vikings. Cornerback Utah, Jalen Johnson. Okay. And then with the 25th pick, they take wide receiver from Clemson, T. Higgins. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mock. T. Higgins. Who, by the way, is uh, six foot four, two hundred fifteen pounds, and caught thirteen touchdown passes last year for Clemson as a junior. One thousand one hundred sixty-seven yards and an average of nineteen point eight yards per catch. I saw him. It wasn't a mock draft yesterday, but rather a best prospect fit for your team article at uh, ESPN.com, and he was the guy 
who they said was the best fit for a as a first round pick for the Minnesota Vikings. Interesting. Very interesting. This is gonna be so much fun. I just can't wait till draft night now. Ryan tweets into the show. What about pulp fiction? That'd be pretty but good. But with Muppets. Oh, yeah. That'd be pretty good. Just Uma Thurman and Muppets. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson Muppet. You're right. You basically can't go wrong. The Royale with cheese speech. Oh, man. You basically can't go wrong. He also throws in Rocky, but he doesn't say who who the character would be. I think it's Rocky with Adrian Balboa and the rest being Muppets. I disagree. And that would make the scene where the Muppet closes the door on her in his apartment wildly uncomfortable. I like Rocky being so. the only one who's not a Muppet just to watch Rocky beat the hell out of Muppets. I like Ivan Drago being the only one. <laughs> Still roiding up. <laughs> nose to nose with the Muppet. He's like, I must break you. <laughs> you can find our podcast, Mackie and Chubb with Rami. Anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app are the three best places Write that down tomorrow here. And as always, Cram Session is powered by Josh Arnold Investments. Judd. And right now it's time to talk to Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, where you always get straight talk. Not sure coded advice. You can get that straight talk by calling Josh direct, 952-925-5608. Or you can listen to Josh right now with the Market Minute. Good afternoon, Josh. Good afternoon, Judd. The Masters is coming back later than expected. And I was really looking forward to the Masters this weekend, as I'm sure you probably were, because that's definitely a sure sign of spring. Now it'll be a sure sign of fall. Major League Baseball coming back in May. Golf coming back in July. Football maybe this fall. Are they going to be playing to empty stadiums and an empty golf course? But they are going to be on TV, and are you going to have to pay a subscription for that? A lot of questions, and it kind of adds to the questions about the market. But first, should um, sports being returned on TV, that could be a benefit to companies like Disney, Fox, and Viacom, especially Definitely even to a company like Comcast. All, all these uh, media companies have been hurt hard during this um, government-induced shutdown, all falling substantial amounts as concerns about their programming uh, continue. Most definitely there are concerns about how these companies are going to generate revenue as advertisers who should actually be coming out in droves with people at home. Uh, But advertising has dropped on Disney, Fox, Viacom, and even on on Comcast, and and advertising revenues have gone elsewhere. Um, That aside... These companies are selling at some very significant discounts. And until some of the dividends get cut, and I believe dividends like the high dividends shown on Viacom and even the um, dividends on Disney and Fox could be, could be cut. Not saying they will be, but they could be cut. It is best to look at these uh, companies as potential uh, or having the potential for 
some growth to come back at some point in time. In my estimation, Disney offers uh, the toughest uh, comeback given Disney's dependence not only on ESPN, where most most people have essentially cut the cord uh, and gone uh, over the top, so to speak, and ESPN does represent a significant amount of Disney's revenue, but also Disney's faces the closed theme parks, cruise lines, and delays in movie production, with the only real uh, benefit coming from their uh, Disney Plus service, which is still offered for free. So in my estimation, with a return to sports, I would focus not so much on Disney, but would look at uh, Fox and Viacom uh, as places to be. Meantime, the Dow, which opened up with the price of oil being up strongly and the hopes of uh, reduced, uh, I'll say reduced production from OPEC, uh, did start selling off as the price of oil came down today. And there's still plenty of uncertainties over the direction of the COVID virus. I do believe as earnings, however, uh, start to come in in the next week or so, many companies are going to cite the COVID virus as a reason for lower revenues, lower earnings, and even for lower guidance over the next one to two quarters. So having the cash that we've talked about in our asset allocation model does make sense, and you should use that on any of these pullback days. For more information, investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk.